Amen. So have a seat and and God bless you. And we're, tonight I I decided to kind of go a little bit backwards because when I first was thinking how we would break down this this journey of Jesus after the cross, the journey of who he appeared to after he had died on the cross and while we were awaiting the promise of the Holy Spirit. And um, of course, the first week we looked at Peter and Thomas and we looked last week at the two on the road to Emmaus and we certainly saw how we could insert ourselves in that journey. Um, and so tonight, we're going to look at Mary Magdalene, the woman and the woman that appeared with her at the, cro- at the grave tomb. And... Um, Really, these were the first people, the first woman that Jesus appeared to, but I chose to do it a little backwards, and I will explain that in a moment. Next week, we're going to just look upon the Holy Spirit and park there for a bit, but we had to understand well, how everybody was feeling because it was the very premise, the very foundation of whether or not they would believe this promise that Jesus had spoken to them about in the upper room. Whether or not they would believe when he said to them, I go to prepare a place, but don't let your hearts be troubled about this. Don't let your hearts be worried about this because he was going to send a comforter. Excuse me while I fix this mic. He was going to send a comforter, and that comforter would be the Holy Spirit. That comforter would be their helper. The helper would lead them and guide them in the way. The helper would remind them of all the things that Jesus had spoken. And so in order for them to believe those words that he spoke that night, already now they knew of a fact that the words he spoke That he would die was true, but the evidence was that he was still dead. And so in their distress, in their wanderings, in their depression, if you want to say, uh, they are left with this worry. What, What if he does not live per se? And so along with that worry would come the second question, what about that Holy Spirit? And so we have to understand their feelings. We have to understand the place in which they were in. And so that we could know that awaiting of the promise came with great faith. You know, I'm a bit distracted because pastor has this cup here with chocolates. (laughs) What a temptation to have before me. Never mind, a whole handful of chocolates. I'm going to put this temptation of Satan behind me or under my feet, and then that's it. Anyhow, oh my goodness, that's horrible to have in front of me, but that's it. Sorry for my side note, my bunny trail, but I just needed to move that if that's okay with you. So having said that, um, we're going to look. Luke 24, 8 to 9 says, They remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things. 
things to the eleven and to all the rest. They remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And so who were these that remembered his words? These were the women that appeared at the tomb. It was Mary of Magdala, it was Joanna, it was Susanna, and when we consider the role of women in the Gospels, we see Jesus interacted with them, and we just have to understand the role of women in the Gospel. Because we see that Jesus interacted with them, but he interacted different than how men would expect him to interact. You see, we, we often see women in the, in the Word of God as maybe something of a lesser class, but Let's look at a few points. First of all, off the bat, we see Jesus on the cross and his mother is there at the foot of the cross and he loved and he cared for his mother so much that even in the position of this death place, he looks down at her and he says, woman, behold your son, John 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, behold, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his house. Jesus loved and cared for his mother. This was his perspective towards women. In fact, he was following a Jewish um, tradition and expectation. The Jewish ethics book of family responsibility, um, one that I had downloaded, uh, says this, the responsibility that offspring bear for honoring and revering their parents, for giving them financial support when they require it, and the offspring have the means to supply it, and this is the important part, get this, making available their physical presence when such presence is necessary to sustain the emotional health of parents is a basic tenet of Jewish ethics. This responsibility may be attenuated under certain circumstances. However, even when the child is not responsible for providing care and support personally, he or she must ensure that it is provided by another means. In so doing, this is the imperative of the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Jesus honored his earthly mother by following this Jewish tradition that he would not leave her unattended to, but that he then said to the, the, the disciple whom he loved, behold your mother. He said to his mother, behold your son. And so what did that disciple do? That disciple brought her into his home and cared for her needs. Jesus was attentive to the needs of women. He was loving, he was nurturing, and he honored. So he was careful to fulfill the law of his heavenly father in his death by honoring his mother and providing someone to care for her. Jesus also, also showed kindness towards women in that um, we can consider the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. He shows up to her and uh, she is feeling uh, somewhat of a worthless woman. One, because she is a Samaritan. And uh, the other two we can consider 
her lifestyle, uh, and but Jesus saw value in her. And what does he ask her to do? But he says to her, would you give me something to drink? John 4, 9 to 10. And the woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus showed her kindness, even though in that moment she saw herself as lesser than. She recognized he was a Jew and the Jews had no dealings with the Samarians, but Jesus saw value in her. And the story goes on and in verse 16, Jesus said to her, why don't you go call your husband? And that speaks of the lifestyle that she lived. That speaks of the lifestyle that may be led to her, her self-image complex of why also she felt that she was undervalued and, and, and um, why she felt she was lesser than. Because her answer to him in verse 17 and 18 says, the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right. In saying, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. So Jesus' dialogue with this Samaritan woman is, in, is empowering, so much so that she returns to the village, and she says to everyone there, come and see this man who has told me everything about my life. She goes from feeling undervalued, she goes from feeling lesser than, into this woman who now feels empowered. This man knows of who I am, knows of the lifestyle in which I live, and yet he has promised to give me a living water. I, and she tells others of this Jesus. Verse 29, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Verse 39, what happened as a result of her going forth and telling many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She didn't hide the fact. She didn't hide. She didn't try to brush it under the carpet. She was Fourth route, come see this man who told me everything about me, who told me all that I ever did, and as a result, people came to know Christ. And so we also see the kindness and goodness of God, what leads to repentance, according to Romans uh, 2 and 4. His kindness, his forbearance, his patience with us. He, I'm sure in that moment when he was conversing with her, and he was, he was causing her to come forth in, in, in just his loving way, go call your husband to confess, I'm not married. Oh yeah, you're true. that's true. You're right. But not in a judgmental way. Yes, a matter of fact, that's right. You're not married. He didn't emphasize it like that. Because there was love behind. There was forbearance. There was patience. There was kindness. 
And that led to, leads to what repentance, evidence is the proof that people came to Christ and believed in him because of her testimony. So his words were not in a judgmental fashion, but his words were in a loving fashion. So we see the Christ who honors and values women, the, the Christ who shows kindness towards women, the Christ who empowers women. We also see that Christ was the one who defended women. Remember the woman who went to anoint Jesus and she breaks open that alabaster jar and there's a disdain in the room. Everybody is, is uh, just challenged by what she had done. And there she pours out this expensive perfume. And Mark 14, 3 to 9 says, While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? But what does Jesus do? He comes to her defense. Luke says it this way, the defense of Jesus turning to Simon. Do you see this woman? Verses 44 to 50. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? So we see Jesus defending. We see Jesus forgiving and we see Jesus also rebuking the disciples in, in their approach towards women. So Jesus is caring towards women. And this is necessary for us to have as a foundation to understand the tomb experience of the, of the woman coming to the tomb. If we don't understand Jesus' true thoughts towards women, then we won't fully understand or grasp what took place when Jesus appeared in the tomb first to the woman. First to the woman. It's, it's interesting that there's only two men here tonight. Because... It's, it always seems in the church that there, there seems to be more women in the prayer room. It seems to be, um, women seem to be zealous to get involved in the church. Jesus loved the woman and yet the woman felt undergraded and, and unrespected. And so Jesus caring towards women, he honors them. Regardless of their social status, he was kind he had true value for them and he 
He was dedicated uh, to, to showing this love towards them. And consequently, what happened? Jesus had women that traveled with him and his disciples. And what did these women do? These women provided out of their own means for the Lord's ministry to go forth. They provided out of their own means. Luke 8 verses 1 to 3 says, Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits. That's Mary of Magdala that we will speak of. And infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. Excuse me. And uh, Joanna, the wife of Shuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And so these women were part of the following of Christ in providing for the ministry that Christ was doing. Perhaps they made meals, perhaps they purchased the goods, but however they provided for Christ and his disciples out of their personal means. So we have this, this foundation. And the reason why I share this foundation is because in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14 verses 30, 33 and 34, it speaks of women having to be silent in the church. That's not the subject that we're going to go on. That's not the subject we're going to unpack. But because of that, some ladies, some people, men and women, miss out the very important message that God wants to give us in the appearing to the woman first in the garden tomb. It's very important to understand that because God does not contradict himself. God God did not say to the woman, go and tell, and then later contradict himself and say, now be silent. He said, go and tell. He gave them a mandate. And so we're not unpacking that tonight, but sufficient to say when we read the word of God, it is very important that we read it in context. And understand what the text is saying to us according to the context of what is being addressed. And in Paul's case, he was addressing um, the speaking of tongues and the place of women uh, in that situation. So women are very important to the part of, of Jesus's ministry. They're important in his discipleship community. They traveled with him. They went from place to place. And Jesus had value for them as we saw. But we don't understand one thing. Why did Jesus first appear to women? The scripture does not say, but we will certainly come away with understanding. We could, we could know this, that all four gospels affirm the same thing. Neither one contradicts the other one. Each gospel affirms that Jesus appeared to the woman. So the word of God is in alignment with him with itself and knowing this is one thing important also that the credibility of the woman during, during that time era during that culture uh, women were not credible they could not no in fact no woman could give an account as a witness in any court it was well known that women's testimonies carried very little weight in in the court's 
they were excluded. And why? Because the courts were made by men and they were, they were made for men. So the Babylonian, the Egyptian, and the Canaanite woman did not go into the courtroom. But the, Ro but, uh, the Roman woman, they could give a testimony, but they could not be there present in the signing of the will or of a will. And so we see these details and knowing this, Knowing this, it begs you to ask the question, why would God have his son rise from the dead and first appear before women if already God knew the credibility of a woman's testimony would not be respected by the people of the community? If God already knew that his rabbis, when they would wake up in the morning, the first thing that they would say to God in their prayers was, thank you, God, I was not born a woman. Why would he have then Jesus appear first to women and then to tell those women to go and to tell? Wouldn't it seem more reasonable for us in our human mind, knowing this was the historical facts of the culture at that time, that God would have Jesus to appear to Peter, for instance? After all, he said to Peter, in Matthew 16, verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. So wouldn't it seem logical that God would go to Peter and say to Peter, Peter, go and tell the others that I am alive? Wouldn't it seem logical that Jesus would appear first to Peter? Because that's what he said to Peter. Your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So why? Why not first go to Peter? This is what we need to unpack. And this is what we need to understand. Because the gospel, as I said, the four gospels affirm that it really happened. If the word of God says it, then we need to believe it. Jesus went first to women. And let's read the account. John 20 verses 1 to 18. Jesus is very different than man. He doesn't operate as man would. Why? Because he's sovereign, right? So know this in your mind as we read. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And so Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. 
And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means master or teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. What just happened in this text. What just happened? In order for us to understand what happened, we need to go right back to the beginning in Genesis. In Genesis 2, chapter, chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, and it says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of you will surely die okay it's not making sense to you yet how does this tomb experience that mary magdalene have have anything to do with god telling adam that he was not to eat of the tree of good and evil and that when he would that he would surely die well Woman was not yet made, but shortly thereafter, woman was made. And evidently, Adam tells Eve this, because in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 and onward, it says, Now the serpent was a more crafty one than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any trees? In the garden, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the servant said, serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when this woman saw that the tree was good, as you know, she partook of the food. She gave it to Adam. Adam ate of it. And what happened? Their eyes, verse 7, both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What 
happened here. We need to understand that there are two gardens. There are two gardens and there is the garden of Eden and there is a garden tomb where Jesus had been laid. And here we are going to see how God came to make an intervention because initially God had made for there to be a place of relationship with him. Initially before the fall, before Eve had partook of the fruit of this tree of good and evil, God had intended that Adam and Eve would dwell in this garden, that they would have authority over the beasts of the air and the, and, and the beasts of the field, that they would have authority over the earth. And here Eve comes and she breaks that. She breaks that relationship that they would have with God. So we have two gardens, the fall, the, the garden of Eve, Eden, and we have the garden where Jesus's body was placed. And so man's fall broke the fellowship that man would have with God and that fellowship needed to be restored. And it could only be restored through Jesus dying on a cross. And so there in the garden tomb was Jesus's body laid. And there, of course, in the garden is where Jesus is going to make his appearance to who? The one who broke the covenant with him. The one who was the initiator of breaking relationship with him. So when Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden, he was reopening that door of relationship and intimacy between God and man. It wasn't just that, oh, what a coincidence. There are two gardens. There's a garden of Eden and there's a garden where Jesus was laid. No, it was actually a, a picture for Jesus to display to Mary Magdalene. I am reopening the door where women fell, where women gave in to the, the voice of the enemy speaking into her and her believing that lie. I am going to close that door that, that caught, that I'm going to reopen that door that was once closed by the enemy's voice speaking into you. And I'm going to restore relationship because woman was once deceived. Genesis 3 verses 14 and 15 says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And then fast forward to verse 23 and 24. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Taken. This is relating to Adam and Eve. And he drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden. And he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So we see that there was two gardens. The garden of Eden and the garden tomb where Jesus' body was laid. There was also two women. Two women. There was Eve and there was Mary Magdalene. E, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene was a counterpart of Eve. Sin entered the world when Eve chose to listen to the serpent's lie. Sin entered the world when, she, when Eve was deceived by the serpent. 
But restoration came when Mary Magdalene chose to listen to the voice of Jesus that was speaking to her in the garden. So we have the two women and we have here, uh, we have the two gardens and the two women. And what happens is she, who, first of all, who was Mary, Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene was a representation of women, women that were rejected, women that were bruised, women that were broken. But Jesus comes to restore that. He reminds her that, listen, I am your total deliverance. I am the one who went to the cross to make a way, to make a path of deliverance for you, to restore you, to be that, to break you from the bondage of your past. So he was also saying to her, you have a new role. Women have a new role. For um, what, what once had you bound in the garden and what had you once bound to the voice of sin, I, I've come to release that. I've come to release that curse that was put over you in the garden. I've come to break that curse. Why? Because I conquered over sin and death. And so I have become your deliverer. And so the message that he is giving to to Mary Magdalene is where he failed I've come to restore I've come to bridge that gap I've come to make that right, that wrong right Eve was the first in the transgression and so the, then the woman had to be the first in the justification. If Eve was the first to fall, then it was only right that woman would be the first to experience the justification of Jesus Christ. So God told her that, uh, told Eve that her husband would have rule over her. He told her that she would know pain. She would know oppression. She would know abuse, heartache. She would also lose her voice. All this is given in Genesis 3 verses, verse 16. But now because of what Jesus had accomplished on the cross, this would be restored. Jesus came to restore that. We have to make a second sub-point here. We saw who Mary Magdalene was, but we see something else. What did she seek after? Who was she seeking out? How did she seek out for the Lord? Mary Magdalene, very early in the morning, went to the garden tomb. This is Mary Magdalene, who was the last one at the cross. She was the last one at the cross. She stayed at the cross to the very end. When Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus brought Jesus' body to the tomb, it was Mary Magdalene that followed behind to see where they would lay the, lay the Christ. And so she was at his side all through it all. She saw how, she, how he suffered. She saw the pain and agony that Jesus went through. She saw the bleeding. She saw how he, how he just uh, breathed in deep to just take in a breath. How he went through a slow process of suffering. 
suffocation. Now imagine if you were Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross, watching him suffer like this, knowing that this is the Christ who set you free, knowing that this is the Christ to who, that, that set you free from not just one demon, not just two demons, but seven demons representing that he came in completeness to bring to you complete healing. Seven representing the number of completion. And so Jesus came and brought her complete healing, not just in a mental sort of a way, but in a physical sort of a way. And so when you're at the foot of the cross and you have experienced Christ in such a redeeming way, in such a liberating way, that now what's what held you, what held your mind, what held your body is no longer having a hold on you and you see him suffering on that cross. If you were Mary Magdalene, would you not be broken inside? Would you not be just wanting to reach up and, and help in some way of a manner? And, and somehow would you not want to just offer some sort of assistance? I'm sure her heart was heavy upon her. And so as they take his body, she follows them because she wants to know where will they lay my savior? Where will they lay the one in whom I found freedom? Where will they lay the one that has done so much for me? And so she follows very closely and in her seeking him and in her pursuit of him, we see one who is hungry because when you are hungry, you need to eat right away. My kids, when they come in and it's near supper, mom, when are we going to eat? I'm hungry now. The first thing they will do is go to the pantry. Why? Because in the pantry is some form of snacks because they need to eat now because they're hungry now. If they came in from outside on a hot day, they want to drink. They want to drink now. Why do they want it now? Because they are thirsty. They are parched. And so here is Mary Magdalene following close behind because within her heart there is a heartbeat she is hungry for her lord she is hungry for that presence which which she once knew of as she followed him as she went from town to town with him as she gave of her goods from from her wealth into his ministry as she poured herself out to to serve him she was hungry for this lord she was hungry for this savior that she knew her deliverance from and so so she carefully watched and the first thing that she did was early in the morning she appeared to the tomb why she wanted to anoint his body she once anointed his body as a demonstration of worship and she was ostracized for such oh but as we saw Jesus defended her correcting those that were that were were indignant about her correcting her don't rebuke her you're the one who should have been serving me in such a way and here she wants to anoint his body again and keeping an eye as to where her her Christ had been laid the first thing she did was she went to the garden tomb early in the morning let me ask you have you ever been so hungry for God that you're anticipating going to church? Awkward question to ask after COVID. When the world has become apathetic, when the world has become so comfortable with 
church at home, church online. It's at their fingertips. All they have to do is click enter and move the mouse a certain way and a message is there for them. Go on to YouTube and, and they can visit many churches and hear many, goth, many, many forms of a message and have their spiritual soul fed. But have you ever been so thirsty that you wanted to go to the place where he was laid? The place where you can find him so that you could just pour out your anointing oil upon him. If our praise and our worship is his anointing oil, it is an oil and a fragrance up to him, then we would desire, oh Lord, let me be found in your house. Oh, that we would be, be anticipating the next time there would be a service. I remember as a young girl when I would go to things such as youth conferences and, and um, at youth conferences you go to church the Friday then you go in the morning, you go in the afternoon, you go in the evening and they have services lined up for you all weekend and so in a matter of from a Friday evening to a Sunday morning you've been to four different um, services but after the Friday night service each of us couldn't wait for Saturday morning we couldn't wait for Saturday morning because they always brought in speakers that tantalized your palate that made you want to hear what else they were going to say that made you want to go to the next service and the altar call when we would experience praying for one another when we would experiencing worship God we wanted to go back to, to the service because not only were we going to hear a great message but we were going to get the taste of worshiping God again we were going to get to pray at the altar and I'll pray for you so that you could experience what I experienced okay you pray for me we'll we'll go to the altar as soon as he calls us up yeah and we would make promises and covenants with one another why because we tasted and we wanted to experience God and Mary Magdala had this sort of of a hunger. Songs of Solomon said it like this in uh, chapter 2 verse 14, the latter part. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Because of her longing for the Lord, the Lord revealed himself. Malachi says in chapter 4 verse 2. For you who fear my name. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And we saw when she saw her son of righteousness. When she saw that savior. And we'll, we'll get to it more in a moment to unpack that. But when she saw him. When she realized who he was. How she ran to tell the others. There we see the unfolding of the Malachi. Why? Because she was hungry. I wonder, are we hungry anymore for Jesus in the church after COVID? Or are we just too content? Oh, come on. It's so much easier to, to roll out of bed, grab your cup of coffee on a Sunday morning and just watch Jesus from your internet place or at your breakfast table or in your recliner all that's so comfortable oh but so much more of a discipline that we get dressed and that we go to church and we encounter his presence and we feel his presence as the worship team is leading as the pastor brings forth the word and we get to say but did you not feel the Lord's presence in his house today and we get to encourage each other praise God good to see you in the house of the Lord Mary Magdala saw 
sought for the Lord. She sought him with great boldness. The others came to the tomb and they fled, trembling. Mark 16 verse 8 says, And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment has seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Oh, not Mary. Mary stood there. She stood at the sepulcher. She sought for Christ faithfully. Would we seek for Christ faithfully in our day? Would we seek each day as Mary went to that sepulcher expecting to find her Lord, ready to anoint his body with oil? Would we every day awaken and, and, and expect to see our Lord? Expect to anoint him with our worship and say, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I give you praise for yet another day. May I see your goodness in everything that transpires today. May I walk in gratefulness towards all that you have done. She stood at that sepulcher. We could sense this, the comfort of his presence because now something else takes place. There are two gardeners, two gardens, two women, two gardeners. In the story of Adam and Eve, in, in the creation story, Eve and Adam were, were given the responsibility to attend the, the Garden of Eden. They were given the responsibility to attend to the animals and the trees and the plants. They were to be the CEOs of the garden. Well, here Mary Magdalene met a man outside the tomb. Who was this man that she met outside the tomb? She thought that he was a gardener. And she realized that he was the Christ. He said one word to her. One word was all she needed to hear. One word was all that she needed to find him. Why? Because she sought for him. She came to the garden looking for him. And now she was going to find him. What was the one word that he spoke that caused her eyes to see? What was the one word that he spoke that caused her to find the Christ that she was looking for? One word, Mary. Mary, he calls your name tonight. He calls out to you. And when she heard his name, she exclaimed Rabboni. And she went to embrace him. She went to cling to him. Why did she go? Because this is how we go to love on one another. <laughs> Crazy COVID. Have you ever gone to greet somebody and, 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 and because of COVID and social distancing, you go like this and they're like, and you're like, okay, so you're one of those. You like, And you just want to embrace the person. You want to give them a hug. Well, social distancing was no thing. But there in the garden, <laughs> Jesus did say to her this. Don't yet cling to me, for I have not ascended to the Father's presence. It wasn't because Jesus was practicing social distancing. Okay, but here she just sees him in an excitement. And she wants to embrace him. Rabboni, teacher, master. The one who has taught me everything I know. 
Master, the one who has my heart. The one whom I belong to. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 45-47 says this. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first Adam was from earth, a man of dust. The second is from heaven. Jump up now to verse 22 of that same chapter. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. What happened here? When she realized that the gardener who she thought was a gardener was actually the Christ, then the revelation was that now she was made alive. Why? Because in the old Adam, there was death. In the old Adam, there was the curse of sin and death. In the old Adam, there was bondage. But in the new Adam, the new Adam that came, that, was, that came from heaven, as the word of God says, was the one that could give her life and life abundantly. Why? Because in the new Adam, which is Jesus, here he is standing before her. And all of a sudden, as she is saying, Rabboni, I am sure the words come before her ears. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so that path had to be restored by a living Jesus. That living Jesus had to appear to a woman. Why? Because it was woman who first broke that path. And so Jesus had to restore. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your searching is over. Truth is standing before you. Truth is in your midst. I am truth, Mary. You're asking where they have laid me, but I am standing before you. Mary, I am the way. So through the redemption of Christ, she gets her voice back. How is this possible? She was appointed, go and tell. She was commissioned to preach. Jesus didn't limit her. Jesus didn't restrict her. He didn't say, keep silent now. He said, go and tell. He ordained her to be a carrier of his gospel. Mary Magdalene of verse 18 of the of chapter 20 of John says Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord that he has said these things to her why because he said to her go and tell go and tell so we see that we have the two gardeners or we have the two gardens we have the two women, we have the two gardeners, but now we see that there are two sets of angels. Two sets of angels in this restoration of the fall of man. Two sets of angels as to why God would choose that his son would appear first to a woman. 
After Adam and Eve fell, what did we read in chapter 3? After Adam and Eve fell, that God placed a cherubim. He placed an angel at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. And that angel turned continually, keeping watch over the tree of, the, uh, of knowledge of good and evil. And so that angel was positioned. And now we see another angel. That ain't the two angels that Mary Magdala saw in John 20 verse 12 and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet and they said to her woman why are you weeping why are you weeping? They are here not to banish, not to hold back man from entering into the garden, not to hold man back from encountering Christ, not to hold man back from obtaining knowledge, the truth that Christ wants them to know, but rather they are saying, whom are you seeking? Why are you here? Why are you weeping? What are you looking for? This is a picture for you and I of this. Jesus came to restore what the old covenant, they, there they had the old covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. You all remember the story of the Ark of the Covenant? Okay, what was on the Ark of the Covenant? There were two golden angels, right? If I were to go to Exodus chapter um, 37 verse 8, it says this, sorry, uh, George, I didn't give you this passage, but uh, Exodus 37, verse 8, and it says, one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat, he made the cherubim on its two ends. Now I'm going to go on to read. The cherubim spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces one to another toward the mercy seat were the faces of the cherubim. Now we see a living representation. Mary Magdalene peers into the tomb, and as she looks into the tomb she sees a living representation of the mercy seat we see a cherubim at the head and we see a cherubim at the feet and what are these cherubim doing these cherubim are a living representation to what she knew the ark of the covenant and what was the ark of the covenant a representation of the lord's presence among his people so wherever the ark of the covenant went they knew that they had the lord's presence and now here in the garden tomb, these angels that she sees sitting there are living representation. The Lord's presence is here, but it's not found in a box. It's found in a man. The Lord's presence is here to reveal himself to you. His mercy, his grace is found in him alone. That man is Jesus and he's come to you, Mary. He come to announce to you. And so here we see where the old covenant, uh, the Ark of the Covenant is now no longer needed. Why? Because Jesus presents himself. That's why he said to her, don't cling to me just yet. I haven't gone to the Father, which is when Jesus would present himself as that living sacrifice for us. And so Jesus becomes for us, that living representation of the living presence of God 
They were at the head and they were at the foot. And Jesus is there represented in presence. Matthew 20, uh, there's another um, mention of the angel. Matthew 28, verses 2 to 6. It says this, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he laid. Would the angel that once stood at the garden to guard from every angle the tree of life now stood at the garden tomb to announce to Mary the access that she had to Jesus. The one that pre prevented was now announcing the access that she had that I mentioned earlier. It's necessary for us to understand the place of Jesus going first to the woman. Because everybody says, when I die, I'm going to ask Eve. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Eve, why did you eat that fruit? Why did you do this? Every time a woman gives, gives birth, it's a reminder of what Eve fell into. But Jesus is reminding us that I am the living Christ. I've come to restore that relationship that was broken. I've come to redeem man. I've come to pay the price. And so what was unbelievable becomes unbelievable. Why are there so many parallels between these two stories? Why are there so many parallels between the Garden of Eden and the Garden Tomb story? It's because the Holy Spirit wants us to know he has a great plan of redemption. He broke Eden's curse. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ reversed the effects of the fall. Reversed it. And so John 20, the account of Jesus in John 20 of Jesus' resurrection reveals to us our healing, our deliverance, our full restoration, our restoration of fellowship with him. Why? Because now we no longer need an Ark of Covenant, Covenant to remind us of his presence. We have the living presence. He trusts the unbelievable messengers. He trusts his message with women, with unbelievable, with the unbelievable. He trusts his unbelievable messengers, the woman, with the unbelievable account. He is risen from the dead. He is no longer dead. And so there, Mary Magdala gets to be that first one commissioned, go and tell. Go and tell. Jesus' effort was not to silence the woman, but to empower them to know that they can be messengers of Jesus, that they could go and herald to others the truth that is in his word. If anybody were to tell you such, then they're contrary to the word of God. 
If anyone were to tell you that the, that the women don't have a place and, and their place is to be quiet, then they're contrary to the word of God because Jesus never said that. Jesus said, go, tell, bring my message. And so we needed to visit the women last so we can understand the whole picture of redemption because it was the woman who brought the, the break in the covenant between God and man. Does it, does it bring encouragement to your heart tonight? Of what Jesus did for us? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this message of, of the woman that you appear to. I thank you, Lord, how she so excitedly, like, like Malachi said, that we would go away leaping. Lord, how she went away leaping, and when she found the disciples, she said, Come, I have seen the Lord. Lord, may we be that living voice, that living testament that goes to others and says, Come, I've seen the Lord. Come to a place where you could learn of him. Lord, may we be living testaments in this time. The the time of your Holy Spirit is for the empowerments that we would be your witnesses. And so God, as we have seen it in the life of Mary Magdala, Lord, may it be seen in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, for those that have joined us online, um, we welcome you tomorrow morning as Pastor Dino brings forth the devotions. And uh, we welcome you here Sunday morning. We really want to see you in person and, and just see church being restored back to the house of God, full of his people, worshiping and, and praising him. So God bless you. God be with you. May his face shine upon you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow or Sunday morning. Bye for now.